We are excited to have True Products as our sponsor for this podcast. True Products has been working with TFO for a long time, and they continue to work closely to develop unique opportunities to connect people through sometimes life-changing outdoor experiences. With life being busier than ever, none of us have time for a gun that won't cycle or a fishing reel that locks up in the heat of the moment. No matter what you spend your time doing outdoors, True Products has your gear covered. For the fishing, True Cast. For the archer, True Draw. For all your firearms, True Recoil. And for the waterfowl hunter, Max Waterfowl. So if you're looking for a product specifically designed for outdoor gear and want to support the fallen outdoors, visit trueproducts.com. That's T-R-U products.com. From there, you can view available inventory and read reviews from people just like you who rely on a well-engineered product. Remember, True Products is American-made, veteran-owned, and even though they've never had a bottle returned, they offer a 100% satisfaction money-back guarantee. mad that I messed up what we're doing here. Um, so for everyone that's on here listening today, my name is Bobby Cole. I'm the team lead for Team Kansas. And uh, I've been on here a few times in the past. Matt and I are going to make ourselves a drink before we start, but uh, I'll start out here. We got uh, Matt Hines with us today. Matt is one of my old friends from when we were kids and grew up in high school together. Him and I both graduated high school in 2006 and he joined the Marines. And I had to show him I was better than him, and I joined the Army. <laughs> so uh, we'll just kind of start out. I'm going to let Matt introduce himself and just kind of tell you his how he grew up. And uh, then we'll go into his military service and a little stuff after that. But uh, let me finish this drink first. We're having a little bit of uh, apple pie moonshine while we do this. <laughs> All right, Matt. And uh, by the way, uh, the Marines didn't like you. That's why you joined the uh, Army. That recruiter was kind of a tool. But right. anyway, um, <laughs> starting out, Matt, why don't you start out? Tell us about uh, where you grew up, how you grew up, all that good stuff. Uh, born and raised in Dodd City, Kansas, to a family that served in the military many generations. Grandpa in World War II, a great grandpa, Paul, and great uncle that were in World War One, Vietnam War, Panama, Afghanistan, Iraq. All the way through, um, graduated, like I said, with Bobby, and uh, we uh, we pretty much right out of high school enlisted. All right, well, let's go back a little bit. So where did you grow up at, Matt? In Dodd City, Kansas. All right, so where'd you go to high school at? Dodd City. Okay, what's the, what's the school? It's a cool school. Ever. Dodd City High School. Red Demons, damn. Yeah, Red Demons. Yeah, kind of a crazy mascot there, but anyway, we had a, we had a good time. Um, we both played football. We both played track and field. We both did just about everything you can think of doing until we got too broke to play football anymore. Yeah, and <laughs> basketball was taking over some stuff for me. And then partying as teenagers became a high priority. Yeah, yeah. That was a little, some mistakes we made, but it was a good time. So, uh, all right. So, we both graduated in 2006. 
as we stated before, you joined the Marines and I joined the Army. Uh, let's start about your military service and what all you did in the military. Enlisted the day of graduation. Went down to Oklahoma City the day of graduation. Yeah. And everybody else was partying. I was enlisting. Well, I was partying for my going away party because I'd already enlisted. Yeah, whatever. Day, so. Be quiet. And uh, went to boot camp in San Diego. Did the boot camp there and then did combat school in Pendleton. Went to 29 Palms after that. Did three months of radio operator communications school. And was there for actually more like six months. But had to wait for training because they had too many Marines going through it at, <laughs> at that time. So that whole Marines awaiting training platoon sucked. Working party, working party, working party. Oh, that sounds horrible, man. Dude. <laughs> Voluntold took a whole new statement. I'll tell you, man, like... I give the Marines a lot of shit and I give the, and of course the Army is, the Marines give the Army a lot of shit and all branches give each other a lot of shit. But you Marines, man, you guys are a different breed. And I'll tell you this because I remember I was, we were out, we were out partying one night and we watched two Marines, <clears throat> best friends always, like they're, they're hanging out, best friends. They got an all out brawl and the other Marine bit off the other Marine's nipple and spit it in his face. You know, we're like, what the hell's wrong with these guys? You know, they, they, this happens, and the next day we saw him back out drinking and hanging out again. Like, so you guys are you guys are a special breed. You're a different breed. I, I get it. I respect it, but I don't understand it. Yeah, we play hard and party <laughs> harder. That's the way it is. Um, after communication school, got put with a second tank battalion in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. I actually asked for the East Coast, and they gave it to me. So miracle number one on wish list actually happened, which is like impossible and I put Okinawa as the second one because I figured they wouldn't give me my second choice <laughs> thank god I didn't have to go to Okinawa because that would have been miserable for two years just imagine the sushi though man on point yeah but that would have <laughs> that would have been a long two years in an island All right, so after you got out of boot camp basic training what happened our second tank battalion um radio operator and second tanks got assigned to the uh, the tow platoon mm -hmm. the anti mm -hmm. anti-armor platoon and deployed with them to iraq in o october 08 and got back in may of 09 did uh seven months out of a humvee straight no fobs nothing what are you at over there uh sinjar province up on northwestern portion right by the syrian border in the sinjar mountains it's a part of Hellman, but it's that we called it AO Tripoli because it just was a freaking triangle. Mm -hmm. They there was like there was Toyota was at the top, and then I think it was Honda was one of them, and like mm -hmm. car names. And we we went up there for the initial. 30 day mission and then they forgot about that, us that we were operating okay. out there and they went well just stay another 30 days so it turned into a 60 day and then it went to a 90 day mm -hmm. and then it went well while you're up here still but we uh we actually worked with ODA mm -hmm. a lot yeah. so we were we were doing QRF for ODA because we knew the area operation which was funny because we were attached to a light reconnaissance battalion <laughs> and all the recon marines were back at the FOB doing nothing and bored 
yeah. walking around all cool because they had silencers and thinking they were hot and shit. And they weren't doing Xbox. shit. They weren't doing shit. Yeah. Some old and, RTO out in the middle of the more than them. And, <laughs> and uh, it was hilarious because we, we were like an anti-tank platoon. And we're infantry, essentially, but we're still mobile infantry. But I guess really most infantry in that time period in Iraq was all mobilized and very rarely did you, hmm. you know, careen through a city and just start walking. We cleared villages, but yeah. you know, village over there is like two city blocks and then you're done. <laughs> <laughs> Not that those two city blocks aren't the most terrifying thing you have to deal with, but. And you said this is a way to throw a nine, right? Yeah. So you were there for the, the initial troop surge. Well, not the initial. You were there for the big troop surge it that was, happened from 2006 to 2009. Yeah, so the tail end of, like, some of the really heavy fighting mm-hmm. um, was towards beginning of my deployment. Mm-hmm. And we got put up in Sinjar because the Army was taking, like, an IED every day yeah. in Mosul. Mm-hmm. And they had intelligence that it was coming through Sinjar from Syria. So we were posted up there just to you know block and okay so secure. i know i was in uh i was in egypt from 2009 to 2010 right so we were there during during the tail end of the uh the arab spring and the, the, all that stuff so were you guys still there during the part of the arab spring when all that shit was going crazy yeah yeah okay. we we because i almost we left because mallory actually graduated my sister yeah she actually graduated the day i got back from iraq and that was like beginning of May or so May 2009. Yeah, so like May 5th or something like that. I can't remember the exact date, but it was the day they graduated, mm-hmm. and that's the only reason why I couldn't be there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was on a plane. Mm-hmm. I, but uh, yeah, so we caught quite a few terrorists. I mean, we caught like number ten HV HVT mm-hmm. um, in that area um, on Thanksgiving. Well, it's a hell of a Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was another OD operation. They had like three credible hits. And so they wanted to take the two higher priority oh. and they gave us the third. And we had the crappy part was this battle space was like 200 square kilometers, mm-hmm. like huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I want to say it's like what the size of Ford County almost, if not. Probably similar, about the same size. Yeah, and uh, so, you know, 80 Marines patrolling that size of a battle space. And the best part was is the tank platoon from um, Charlie Company, um, first tanks Mm -hmm. out of 29 Palms. They had a Mustang captain that thought he was hot shit and mouthed off to lieutenant colonel and they put the tank platoon with 16 tanks and all of its support vehicles in a battle space 20 square kilometers yeah i'll do it (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i think they could get to like 55 60 mile an hour and then they had to hit the brakes (laughs) (laughs) they rotated their turret (laughs) so you worked with uh you worked with the army you worked with marines you worked with anyone else really while you're over there uh did you get to do any foreign countries besides Captain Dude, Iraqis? Peshmerga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Freaking Turks. The Kurdish, the Kurdish National Army. We hit, dealt with some Turks that kept trying to sneak in and do shit. Those, uh, but Pesh, dude, 90% of those Kurds are some bad motherfuckers. Well, right? the problem was they send us in, they send us with two interpreters. One, one's from Syria. Mm-hmm. One's from Baghdad. Mm-hmm. 
no one can understand anybody because the dialects are all different up there. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. so you give us an interpret two interpreters that have no idea what these guys are saying. Great. But 90% of the time we were babysitting the Peshmerga and the Iraqi Mm -hmm. army because we literally have to break up firefights because we'd be sitting there talking one night and we heard a a, a Russian anti-aircraft gun Mm -hmm. start going off and we're like, oh shit, we know where that's at. Because we knew that they had one on a mosque in a Peshmerga held town Mm -hmm. and the Iraqi army tried to drive their Humvees up to it and they... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> unloaded so you'd hear doom 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 and then da, 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 like panicked ak fire and it's mm-hmm. like oh god we're gonna go break this up yeah so people find each other that weren't supposed to fight each other yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was literally like dealing with preschoolers mm-hmm. and like no don't touch each other stop it mm-hmm. bad 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 have slap it, them on the wrist every once yeah. in a while <laughs> so mean, it sounds like your, your time in iraq was interesting and somewhat eventful and you had some good times and some bad times. Probably the good times outweigh the bad, like yeah. most of us. So, uh, the whole time, there's parts are missing here. I'm going to try to help you fill it in. <laughs> the whole time you were in Iraq, you were married with how many kids at the time? Just one. Just, Just one. one. She was a year and a half, okay. two years old. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, wife stayed back in North Carolina and then came back to Dodge and stayed with my parents for a few months. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Kirsten barely recognized me when I got back because uh, I've been there, man. Aiden was born what three days before I did one of my first appointments. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I came back and he was—he yeah. didn't know who the hell I was. All right, so married, deployed to Iraq. How old were you? What, 19, 20? Mm-mm. I was twenty-three. Twenty-three, really, man. I'm really I enlisted when I was nineteen because oh, I, yeah, that's right. Because yeah. I'm a year older than everybody you, in our class. I forgot you held back. Got held back a year because we were stubborn asshole. <laughs> I got held back in preschool. Okay, that does not count. It's because you're a stubborn asshole, man. Well, happens, yeah, man. I mean, I'm still a stubborn asshole. Okay, so after Iraq, what, what, what's uh, what was your service like then? Uh, got back and got a batch Dude, of. Boots. I remember when you got back, man. We went and got fucked up at HDs with your mom. <laughs> Yeah, because mom <laughs> stole our beer and we made her buy us a case of beer since it had been a couple years since yeah. she had took it from us when we were partying because Chin decided it would be funny to ha- hide it under the fold-up chair. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah we uh, – oh, dude, that was a rough night because I got back. Wife was pissed. Had to drive to Missouri the next day to see her family hungover. Mm-hmm. So bad. It was like three towers of beer that we killed. Yeah. So that was rough. We got pretty tore up that night. I, mean, I think we had like my, my toy and some other people we grew up with. My toy and Neely. Chin was already moved. Right? Chin was. Yeah. He was yeah Chin was Hayes. already in Topeka. Hayes. Or Hayes. And then, yeah. And Mallory was. Not old enough to drink. Being a dingleberry <laughs> teenager. All right, so after our crazy party, where'd you go after that? Uh, I stayed in Camp Lejeune for another year after the deployment, but I got a boot drop of like 10 Marines. Mm -hmm. And since I was the most senior corporal that had the most combat experience, essentially, I had to train them. And that was, that was like even more babysitting well i came to the conclusion whenever i was in once i hit my nco level i came i came to the conclusion that being an nco yeah. made me a better dad and being a dad made me a better nco because it taught me different ways to deal with idiots <laughs> my problem was i couldn't turn off the marine mode <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be like why didn't you wash the dishes and it, sorry honey <laughs> 
Yeah. My mom was constantly telling me that I'm the drill sergeant parent. So yeah, and I well, I still have that booming voice from when I was in. But I'll well, tell let's you be what. honest, it's not because of Marines; it's because you're deaf. Yeah, well, I'm deaf. Yeah, yeah. but. You know, that's kind of because of the Marines. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> okay, so how much uh, how much time in total did you spend in the Marines then? Four years total. Four years total. All right, cool. Yeah. And so you got out in the Marines. I know you were the one of the managers at the casino for fucking ever. Seven years. Okay. And what, where, where'd you go after you left the, the casino? I uh, worked at National B for a while, the packing plant. Doing uh, if you're from Dodge, you work at National yeah, B at some point. Yeah, I just did security because I got to... <laughs> mess with people because and so currently what are you doing for work uh i work at sutherland's lumber um here in dodge i am the hustler and bad boy sales rep for sutherland's and i'm also the lead mechanic so i have no life and currently live at the store 90 percent of the time and you have several hats that you have with it too so keeps you pretty busy I know it's, uh, it's been a while since you went and got out and got lunch or anything, and I just I worked maybe 20, 15 minutes from you, so it's no big deal. Well, and if it if it hadn't been for COVID, I would have already sold over 130 mowers this summer. Now I'm at 70. <laughs> Last year I was at 150 mm-hmm. for the summer. I mean it's and this year that people know more about the shop, and I'm actually like the only mechanic now for small engines in Southwest Kansas. <laughs> well, in in Ford I should say. Yeah. But people come from Garden have me work on their stuff and Kinsley Jetmore. I mean, I've sold like four or five hustlers here to people in Jetmore. Yeah. Oh, this <laughs> is a nice little town. So, all right. So currently working at Sutherland's let's uh, kind of rewind back a little bit. So let's talk about, so we're here on the, on the Fallen Outdoors podcast. Let's talk about one kind of your experience with the Fallen Outdoors and also uh, kind of like your background and any kind of hunting or fishing. So let's, let's kind of go back to that and see what see what's going on. Uh, I mean, fishing. I grew up fishing all the time because yeah. it was just. I remember your grandma, your granddad's house up by Wichita, man. Yeah, the pond. Monster cats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a sixty pound cat on a on a three year old fishing pole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that that's that pole's gonna break. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, we'll get it in. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. So I grew up fishing cat and bass, mm-hmm. like largemouth bass, out of that pond, and that's where I learned. So it was kind of it was kind of a win lose. I learned that you could catch really big catfish mm-hmm. until you went to a open lake. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, so they don't feed them cat food here. Okay, gotcha. So, so what you're saying fat. is there, it's not a cat to fish that you catch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not a cat to fish that responds to bait like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, and the bass were the only fish that really didn't want to bite mm-hmm. in that pond. Like you had to lure them still because they were, they were smart. They're just different, man. They're just different. <laughs> yeah. But uh, hunting, I would go out hunting with my dad and uncle for pheasant when I was a kid. But my dad wasn't all that into hunting. My uncle was. I was busy doing billion things. And uh, when we went to, when we started working together at the museum. Boot Hill? At Boot Hill Museum. Gunfighting, naturally. Picked the most dangerous summer job in the world. And... uh, then you're like, let's go hunting, and I was like, I don't have hunting. I think we, uh, we should clarify the gunfighting thing. Yeah. So people are like, what? These kids are sixteen. We shot, gunfighting? We shot blanks, so, and we were fifteen years yeah. old. No, so we, fourteen. Uh, we're we fourteen or fifteen. Our first jobs outside of working for our parents growing up were, uh, and had been working at Boot Hill Museum in Dodge City, and our jobs was our title was gunfighters. And what we did, we did reenactments. 
And the best way I can explain it, if you've never seen it, is that we uh, we did professional wrestling in cowboy clothes. Yep. And, right. then, and then we shot each other. Yeah, then we shot each other with blanks. So it was, it was yeah. a good time. Every once in a while, there would be a Crisco load that would come out of the end of the, the cap and ball <laughs> pistol. And you would see a guy take one in the knee and fall down. And you're like, okay, that looked realistic. It looked like an old tracer round. That's cool. I was talking to my mom just took the kids to Boot Hill last uh yeah, they Last completely weekend. redid it. And she was telling about how I remember when I broke my ribs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like, yeah, your dad broke his ribs on that box right there. So, yeah. All right, so anyway, back to where we're going. Back to the hunting. Uh, I want to say the first hunt we went on where you drug me out made me your bird dog. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it Naturally. a... Was it dove a, hunt. Was it a dove hunt <laughs> with your grandpa drinking his beer on the front yard of your dad's house? Probably. And, that sounds about and right. And just sitting there, doom, 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 not even aiming, just drinking his beer and go get it. Yep, that's, that sounds about right. That's, that yeah. sounds like grandpa. And then we were walking the road and... And, and so that was fun. I tried to get my hunter safety back in high school, but yeah, parents never, parents and didn't really ever. Then of course you joined the Marines and but, you just didn't have time to go and get that shit. So I mean, I, I hunted some pheasant and, you know, stuff in North Carolina because on base, you didn't need a hunter safety. You just talk to the game warden and go, Hey, here you go. nifty. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I didn't hunt, which would have been nice in North Carolina, was the the whitetail. Yeah. Because they had, you know, all the trees. They had the power lines. They had tree lanes. Mm-hmm. Dude, you'd drive past one of those on base, and it'd be like, deer, 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 deer. <laughs> you'd have a spasm. Yeah, so anyway, so like Matt mentioned, I've been trying to convince Matt that he needed to get into hunting since we were... Oh, 14, shit, 14, 15. If that. And so uh, he got back from the Marines. I got back from all my deployments and stuff. We started hanging out again after he got well, divorced. Yeah, I was going to say, it took, <laughs> it took, what, seven years after yeah. I got out. Yeah, after you got, got your divorce. <laughs> and because and my ex-wife hated you. Well, if that's 100% your fault that for blaming everything but stupid But, you know, it wasn't easy out. It's Bobby's fault. Well, uh, you and Jeremy and everyone did it, man. Everyone blamed me. Out. Maybe, you blamed were me such for a sport, shit. though. Uh, you I, took I one for him. you took one for everyone in the whole team. Jeremy's mom barely started talking to me like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been longer than that. But there was a while there where Jeremy's mom yeah, wouldn't even well, talk to me. But anyway, so I was pissed off about the divorce. Yeah, and like, and you were like, "Let's go out and hunt." Well, yeah, and so like, I remember whenever you started going through your divorce. So because I just gone through one not not much longer before that. Yeah, I, I well, remember like a year. <sighs> Years. Earlier than that, probably two or three years. Because yeah, you and Lisa were dating. Two thousand twelve is when I went through my divorce. Oh yeah, so yeah. So I remember when I was going through my divorce, the, the big thing that helped me out is I'd go outdoors and I'd go out hunting fish with my dad, and that, that just kind of got me over the shit. And then you know I'd go and hang out with Lisa in the evenings because yeah. while I was going through divorce, I met my current wife. So it was it was just a mess. But so I remember going through all that, and I remember seeing how how bad you were taking the divorce. So I was like, hey man. Let's get you into hunting and fishing, mm-hmm. and and your excuses. Well, bro, I don't have a hunter hunter safety card. Yeah, this and, that. and then you were and like, I found out that the state of Kansas gives you a well, license. Well, you went on like this epic mission mm-hmm. to find loopholes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because and, I, and the only reason I couldn't get my hunter safety is because I was going through a divorce, was tied up, and I still had to work at the casino, mm-hmm. which was. If anybody knows how a casino operates, twenty four seven, and yeah. I was working seventy hours a week. Yeah, so, yeah, so. You, you were busy as hell, man. I, I don't, I don't yeah. give it. But then I found out that the state of Kansas gives their apprentice license, good for two seasons, yeah. as long as you're hunting with somebody over the age of eighteen that's got a hunter safety card. Yeah. So we uh, 
so we sorted out that year. We, did we started up, doing a bunch of scouting. Land. Yeah. Well, yeah, we did upland the first up, up year. Upland, and then we did scouting. And the next year, we started doing what putting out trail cams and scouting about August with all. Yeah, the, because the we only had what one trail cam, and it was your dad. Yeah, and then like we ended the up getting four year, more. And we get like four more. <laughs> yeah. So we went out. We put out the trail cams. We started dropping some corn and spots. Just trying to figure out the the movement of the deer, and uh, it took us. How long do you think it took us? We, we started in June. What do you think that moonshine's pretty good stuff, huh? Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. And so it, it took us a while to Lindsay's find out. Lindsay's gonna wonder what, why I smell like apple pie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, so, um, we started what June? Yeah, Both, June, July, and June, July, setting them out. We didn't really see. I don't think we saw a whole bunch of movement in June and July, other than like coyotes and stuff like that. Yeah. But then when it started hitting August. Yeah, we, we started, started seeing, seeing the there. big old bastards. Well, what was the deer that we picked out for you? Well, that was that. Well, we picked that Frankenstein, wasn't that it? That Frankenstein that had like six points on one side and a straight spike on the yeah, other. A, a spike with a big but, bowl coming out the side. But of it. he was freaking huge. Yeah. Like, so you know he was old, but so, he was a monster deer. And then we, you wanted to get Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I think what the only reason we named him Hollywood is because we only could see him in pictures ever. And perfectly symmetrical, also. Perfectly symmetrical. Only the saw him in photo. pictures. <laughs> never, never saw him in real life. And it wasn't until what last this last season that, that we saw I, him in person. I finally saw him in person. And, uh, and that, that season he came to me. I, I saw him in person one time. So I was facing out where we usually saw him come out on the trail cam. He walked right behind me, and there's no way I could turn and get a shot on. Oh, that's right. He was five yards from well, me. Well, because you were, you were still, you hadn't started the bow. No, that was bow. You, you, that was archery. That was, you were doing bow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he, he was like five yards behind me, man. There's yeah, no way I could turn and get a draw and, on him. Well, you didn't have a blind. Yeah. Um, oh, you just stand under the cedar tree. Yeah, you're. Yeah, you wouldn't have been able to get anywhere. So, so we had it all planned out. We had Hollywood. Yeah. We had. We had a uh, Frankenstein, our yeah. only son bitch, but big ass body. And we knew exactly what time yeah. of day they would be out too. So we had it all planned out. We set a date and we were going to go out and we were going to hunt that day. What happened then? Uh, what was it? Two days before the hunt? About, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, okay. <clears throat> Rewind about a month. I threw my back out <laughs> and every time I've thrown my back out three times now um, since being out of the military and it pinched both my both my side nerves my lower back well it tanks my Im- immune system every time so i get sick mm-hmm. well i got strep throat yeah um i was out for a week from work was feeling better went back to work for like two days was like man i can't breathe and fought through it for like another week or two and then they said oh you have strep throat so they gave me medicine didn't work I went two days before the hunt, went to the doctor and was like, something's wrong. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, you got an abscess in your tonsil. And yeah. Like you have to have surgery. It's like, okay. First question though, through like what they call potato mouth where you can't talk. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, can I hunt in like th- two days? And they're like, yeah, it's an outpatient surgery. I'm like a simple outpatient surgery. Well, all I know is I went into surgery. I woke up. My parent, my dad said it was like 16 hours later. Well, I remember, so, because you, Cause you, it was in the evening when I had the surgery, like five or six o'clock at night. So I remember you, you shot me a text message and said, hey man, I got to go in for surgery. 
Uh, don't know if I'll be able to make it for the hunt, but then just let you know I'm going for surgery. I'll let you know when I come out, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and so, like I said, it's probably, I asked my wife, I was like, you know, I haven't heard anything back about Matt's surgery yet if he's doing all right. And about that time, I got a call. Was it from my an, dad? Yeah, I got a call. Like, it was a number I didn't recognize. I was yeah. like, what the, who the hell is this? And I answered and it was your dad. And so, so Matt's dad was a fire tree chief in Dodge City. And Matt's dad's always been kind of a tough, stoic son of a bitch. And so, uh, once I answered the phone and Matt's dad was like, Bobby, like, I, I could tell that your dad was not okay. And oh, it, sounded, it, it, it sounded like he'd been crying a little bit. It sounded like he was probably did a little bit of yelling. So your dad was out okay. Yeah, he, he did yeah. some yelling. Yeah. I heard those stories. And so he, uh, he told me, he's like, um, Matt's surgery, some things happened. It went, it went wrong and we had to do an emergency tracheotomy on him and we're not sure if he's going to make it. And so your dad was, uh, like I said, like I've known your dad forever. He's always been a tough son of a bitch. And like, that was the most worried I've ever heard your dad. Well, he also ripped into the uh, anesthesiologist for yeah. my medical chart in the yeah. waiting room. Mm -hmm. And all the nurses. Okay, that so was fun. We, we have the emergency tracheotomy. Yeah, I woke up 16 hours yeah. later. Yeah, and so, and I remember I came and saw you like two or three days later. Yeah, so, well, but I mean, the first day in the uh -huh. ICU, our first day and a half in the ICU, they had me on so much pain meds, dude. Yeah. I don't remember half of it. So after after the emergency tracheotomy and you go sit in the ICU for about a week, I was what in, happened uh, then? I was in the ICU for a week in Dodge mm -hmm. at Western Plains, and they they had released the oh the balloon mm -hmm. on the trach so I could start talking and learn how to eat around it and mm -hmm. stuff as it healed and they were going to downsize it well they had me up walking and stuff and I was able to talk just fine I was doing good and then I had like coughing fits or something mm -hmm. and I, if I had an Olympic sport where you shot blood out of your throat mm -hmm. and hit the wall 20 feet away Gold medal. Gold right. medal every Thanks. time. But I like coughed up like a liter and a half of blood in like three hours. Mm -hmm. And they were like, eh, life watch. So I got helicopter ride to Wichita, which by the way, found out that the pilot was a Marine mm -hmm. from an infantry unit two <laughs> blocks away from my battalion in, in Lejeune. Nice. Small freaking world, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, I spent another week, got out on Christmas Eve. Because you had no surgery there as well, right? Uh, they had to take the trach out and see why I was bleeding and they put the trach in too high mm -hmm. and it started crushing. Uh... Jeremy's trying to call me. Tell Jeremy he can wait. I'll text him. Tell, tell Jeremy he's been in Topeka for many years. He can wait another five minutes. <laughs> Alright, so anyway, continue. Uh, we... We found out that they had put the trach in too high. And so it was crushing my vocal cords or whatever because I start not being able to talk. And they adjusted it. And then I had to have a feeding tube put in, which by the way, feeding tubes are a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Having a rope go through your sinuses to tie the feeding tube off. Haven't had that happen. I hope I don't no, have to. Nightmare, no. Mm -mm, no. All right, so but, all that stuff happened. Yeah. Got, yeah, so the last few last like three or four days, they the 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 guy there, the ear, nose, and throat doctor knew what he was doing. He's like, eh, yank, you're good. But they wanted, they said, oh, we can just do the regular. We can put the scope down while you're awake. And at that point, I was so combative, 
Yeah. I was like, if you go near my throat, I will kill you. Yeah. And they were like, we're going to sedate him. <laughs> Good call. But, um, you know, I started telling the nurses too, cause I was getting bored and, uh, you can only watch so much TV before you lose your mind mm-hmm. and play enough candy crush to dull your brain. Um, <laughs> the nurses would rotate in Wesley every 12 hours. So each one would come in and be a different nurse every 12 hours. So what happened to you? I said, I got shot in the throat and shit the bullet out. (laughs) And I swear to God, there'd be a couple nurses like stop and like reread the notes in the computer. I'm like, you're not seriously looking at the chart to verify that, (laughs) are you? But um, got out Christmas day, Um, my sister, had just had her daughter a mm-hmm. month before, um, right before Thanksgiving. And uh, we went down like a week after I got out of the hospital um, down there to visit. Funny side Christmas story, got out of the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Girls come back from Erica's um, to do Christmas with us because Erica had to now have them for like almost the whole vacation because mm-hmm. of the surgery. and. Uh, my parents bought me a handgun safe yeah like with finger identification and everything i'm doped up on like high powered pain meds like still got a hole in my throat and i'm like cool gun safe and it's battery powered Mm -hmm. and there's keys so just in case batteries run out well i'm around with it i set the keys inside the safe and i'm like let me try the fingerprint thing click no (laughs) so we go my my brother-in-law happened to be getting the same thing for his his christmas present brother-in-law is Uh, he's a major in the army he is actually stationed in maryland right now um you can hold me when he does some uh, sika deer hunting in maryland oh sika yeah um, he's not even a dude. He's, well, just, he, he's as not long as we have a place to stay, that's all I care about. Yeah, well, Mallory and him live on the river. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a nice house. Um, they, yeah, he's an intelligence officer in yeah. the Army. He was uh, stationed in Riley for four or five years. Yeah, that's where they met Mallory because she yeah, was going to school in Manhattan. Yeah, in Manhattan. Right, yeah. And then they went, they lived, he was stationed down in San Antonio for four years at Sam Houston. Mm-hmm. And then they did a stint for a training school he had to do in Arizona for like six months and then they moved yeah. again. But um, yeah, go come back. And while I was down there, Mm-hmm. gun safe story his key didn't work I had to order a whole nother key so now I have four <laughs> sets of keys yeah. because they come with two good lord so alright so we, we got all that stuff we, you almost die you have surgery. Yeah. you're down in Texas I remember when you were down in Texas yeah. I shot you a message I was like hey man you still want to shoot a deer yeah cause and I was like, like what it's not buck season and you're like, like no lay doe lay doe and I was like yeah let's do it <laughs> So I was, I was out scouting. Uh, I had an unsuccessful year that year because I wasn't able to get a close enough shot with my bow first year. But I, I want to say the first thing I said when you came to the hospital is, did you get the deer? And you're like, no. And yeah. I was like, what the hell? Dude, like, I'm telling you. I was disappointed sense. in you from a hospital bed. He came, he came five feet behind me one time. And there's no way I can get around in time for it. So anyway, so I have a shitty year, but I had a good year of scouting and knowing where all the does and everything else were moving. Yeah. So yeah. Well, well the, and that was the thing is the land we hunt on is got an abundant population of doe very much so yes so uh so i text you i said hey man are you still want to get a deer 
Yeah. Because I've I've been like I mean I've got a deer this year, but I know where they're going to be at. Yeah. So we uh we you you say yes, and I'm like all right cool man are you going to be able to move around a little bit? You're like I don't know man you know I still got some issues. Yeah. So we uh so I tried to find the best spot where we set and just wait. Which for is them. a spot that yeah. we've set before and seen and yeah and seen seen them. All right, so we we walk in there. So I remember let's start. So we meet up. At the, we'll call it the trailhead, but it was my dad's house. Dad's so house. we meet up at my dad's house and we jump out of the trucks. And the first thing I see is you got this fucking hole in your throat with like a clear bandage over the top. Yeah, of it. big ass. Because <laughs> I, I put a waterproof bandage over there because I was worried just yeah. in case it rained. Yeah. Didn't want to drown looking up at the sky. Yeah. So, so like the first thing is like, are you sure you're gonna be able to get out there? And you're like, oh, if we move slow, we'll be able to get out there. So we. We uh, dude, I was huffing yeah. so bad. Well, that was from from where we parked at to the tree stand was probably a quarter mile, maybe a little more. Three quarters. Yeah, it's, three quarters, it, yeah. based off of how we had to rotate through the terrain because yeah. so, yeah. of fence lines. It was three quarter. So we get out there, we get in, we get all snug and rough, and like we're expecting a cold day. And it ends up being like seventies or eighties, like we were stupid warm. So bad. <laughs> Because we had we had dressed for like yeah because it was supposed to be cold. cold and it was so warm and we're like dude we're not gonna see the deer yeah. so we, we get out there we sit down we spray down with uh with the uh, some some right. dead down winds so they can't wind. smell us yeah and we wait <sighs> yeah and I hadn't got my because you guys bought me a six five Creed more while yeah. I was in the hospital and it hadn't come in for me to sign for um. But I hadn't got my six five Creed more because mm-hmm. it hadn't come in for us to sign, sign the paperwork on. So you're like here twenty five out six. I was like, yeah, okay. Grand, granddad's, grandpa, right. dad's old twenty five out six. And I and and I had shot it before, so I was like, I know how to shoot it. I mean, I know what to expect with that rifle and its accuracy. Hell, we've zeroed that thing a thousand times. A thousand times. And uh, what was it? Two hours into the hunt. Shit longer than that, man. Three, three or four. Yeah, something on there because it was thirty minutes before before <laughs> yeah cease cease some ceasefire on the hunting yeah so it was thirty minutes before it was about an hour before sundown was well, it thirty minutes before sundown sundown so we still had thirty minutes after yeah. and uh, we made it like what fifty yards outside of the the hide. Oh. Yeah, so we, we were in the blind. We it was about an hour before sundown, or thirty minutes before sundown. And we're like, we just need. And we to said, well, let's go see if we can find anything up in the field up here. So we started walking we up there. Because we knew that they are up there yeah. all the time. So we started walking because at that point in time, I was playing with winter wheat, and it was just starting to bud. Yeah. So we started moving up there towards the field, and maybe fifty feet into the field, and we saw a doe just right up. We saw a we doe saw her ear. Yeah. We saw her, her nose and her eyes, and then her her two ears perk, and mm-hmm. so we. We hit the dirt. Slammed into the ground. Then we turned on the Tacticam because we wanted to get a video. <laughs> so, so I just bought this Tacticam. It's the first time really using it. We yeah, turned it on. And it we was had mounted underneath the barrel. And so, we were dragging it through the dirt because we had to yeah, so low crawl. How, how, how far do you think we went for this? Uh, if I remember, I paced it out afterwards, like six months later, and it was like 500 yards. Yeah, that's probably about right. So here you are with a hole in your neck after almost dying. And how much you lost? What, like 40 pounds while you're in the hospital? 60. 60 pounds while you're in the hospital. In so two weeks. You're, mal- you're malnourished. You got a hole in your neck. But we see this deer up here. I was hungry. Yeah. And so we, <laughs> we started crawling for this damn deer. All right. So we, we crawl up there and we're huffing. You more than I. We're, we're huffing and yeah. puffing. So we get up to the well, edge of that field. And what do we see on the edge of that field? There's like 15 to 16 doe and and 
every buck it's that like we were Hollywood, Hollywood, right there, like twenty yards. Every from us. buck that we were wanting to shoot that year, and we're like, you. And there, it was a shooting gallery, yeah. mm-hmm. and we were like, okay, which one? Which one? I guess I think like the tactic cam video was like, oh, look at that one. Oh, yeah. that one. Like we were freaking out over it because it was like, dude, there's so many fucking deer. And so we we, we have I had all one. these deer about three two two fifty to three hundred yards away from Easily. us. And you, and we finally pick out what we think is the biggest doe. Yeah, it was at two hundred, I think. Yeah, right, right about two hundred. And I'm getting ready. I'm literally depressing the trigger, and you're like, man, look. And it like what 65, yeah. 70 yards off to our right. We had to completely rotate everything yeah. from where we were laying. So we had to come out of the brush a little into the field that was wide open. Mm-hmm. And this, it was a ended up being a button buck. Yeah, but couldn't see the antlers big fat turd yeah. and what 50 60 yards 50 from us? 65 yards maybe yeah. matt I, if it was 70 i'd be surprised yeah. shooting from the prone shot instantly dropped the instantly dropped yeah hit yeah. the hit the rib cage went through the spine because yeah. we couldn't find the exit when we were like where the hell is it yeah so yeah. It, like and so and i, and I figured it's probably a spine shot because usually when you hit when you hit a deer in the spine or mm-hmm. in the spine yeah instantly hits the ground right yeah but i knew where i had hit was quartering yeah. away mm-hmm. right in the back of the ribs and i saw his chest concave right yeah. there and i was like okay wait a minute <laughs> this so, is weird so the deer like well, instantly dropped yeah but the deal was i take the shot and then we reload the gun and hand it to you yeah so i try and to take a shot you try to take a shot <laughs> the freaking damn um your, your loader in that yeah i gotta i gotta fix gotta, that yeah because so. it jammed we had to do a like literally a malfunction drill <laughs> in the middle of a deer well, hunt. In, 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 we call it sports, right? Slap, pull, observe, release, tap, squeeze. What do you call it in the Marines? We just call it a, a, a malfunction. Yeah. Like the, the army turns everything to acronyms. I'm just making shit weird. So we we <laughs> and so we call it a malfunction in the Marines, and then yeah. it's tap rack bang. Yeah. And you can't tap rack bang a, a, a bolt action. <laughs> so it was finger fuck, <laughs> slide bolt, so home, so we, bang. We ended up finally getting the round ejected. I get a roundup in there, and dude, I'm still pissing myself because like I, I knew I shouldn't have took the shot. But in all fairness, though, at where we were trying to get that at, yeah. it looked like two to yeah. three hundred yards. Well, I think we, you onyxed it at like yeah, what four five hundred and eighty yards. <laughs> that deer was big though. Dude. I took a shot at a doe at five hundred eighty yards, and I hit her in the ass. Yeah, no, I knew you had hit her by the way she jumped because yeah. her back leg was not wanting to move, but yeah. she ran off. So she fast. she took off, and first we went and made sure your deer was dead. And we got there, and that's when we realized it was a button buck. Yeah, and we were like, like oh, it's dead. So we, uh, so I made you call the game warden. Yeah, you tried, you tried to self-report. You, yeah, well, but he tried to make the game warden on speakerphone give me a ticket, anyways, mm-hmm. or like a warning, so he, I could frame it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really, dude? And the game warden's like, no. <laughs> yeah, so, so anyway, so you get a, we shoot a button buck. It's it's outside of the doe season. But we call the game warden. I make you call the game warden. Like, hey, just self-report just to make sure yeah. we're not in trouble. The game warden's like, hey, were the antlers visible? We're like, fuck, no, they weren't. No, we walked up on them. Went, oh my god. And then uh, you know, when we noticed the balls, and we're like, ah, oh, things got things got balls. Yeah, <laughs> if we would have noticed that before the shot, and I, you know, looking back at it, it came out with two other bucks, so it made yeah. sense that it was a doe. Maybe, yeah, kind of. But yeah, then when you look but, back, you it's know, like. 
And the it's the, an Andrewless deer either the way. The state record doesn't say doe, or the state legislation an, doesn't say an, doe. It says Andrewless doe. Yeah. So or Andrewless deer. deer. So we yeah. uh, we didn't notice. We called. We self-reported just to be on the safe side. Game warden said, "Hey man, if you couldn't see the antlers, you didn't You're know. Good to go. Let us go." So at this point in time, we started tracking. And again, like I just want to bring up, Matt has a hole in his throat that's a quarter inch and we in watched. diameter. And we track this like so. We find this deer. It takes off thousand running. yards. Fuck a little further than that, dude. It's over a mile and a half. Yeah, because we were almost out at the the other. We were halfway through the other mm-hmm. people's property. Um, and and by the way, so by the time we shot the deer, and mm-hmm. you got your shot off, and we watched where the deer went. And we got up to check. It was dark. So we had to lay like my my reflective vest on my deer so we could find it again. Mm -hmm. Because we were like, it's going to blend into the deer. And then we started started hunting for blood in the dark. And we found a good trail in that trail. It was a solid solid trail for about About a quarter mile. Yeah, probably. And then it just disappeared. It just stopped. Yeah. It's like coagulating was done. Yeah. And we... You were going to take another shot at a doe that we thought was her, but because she was limping, mm-hmm. but we couldn't see any visible blood draining. So mm-hmm. it's like we didn't want to take the shot yeah. if we had a one already injured somewhere. Yep. And that could have been from like just a fight or something. Yeah. And we didn't want to have two dead deer and then be really screwed. So we, we tracked this thing for what, an hour and a half, two hours probably. We couldn't find it. Too easily. And so we, we gave up for that night. We were spent. <laughs> and we called your dad. Hey, can you come and pick us up in your in your pickup? Because <laughs> we're walking the, back. The, the trusty old Chevy. Yeah, and we picked the deer up. And I'm sitting back there holding the deer on going, uh, okay, I found the exit hole. There's blood everywhere. <laughs> we took a shot of Jameson. I pulled the Jameson That's out of my right. backpack. We took, we took a shot of Jameson. Took a shot of Jameson while we were waiting for your dad to get over there. Yeah. By the way, burnt like a son of a bitch going down. But it was amazing. Yeah, it was super tender though. <laughs> <laughs> right, so all in all, and like I said, it's like, the fallen door, the fallen outdoors made this partially possible. Mainly because mainly because I I poured myself into the organization, so I got it. Yeah, it, it, it would probably eventually happen at some point in time in our lives anyway. Yeah, but this probably accelerated the process. Yeah, well, and the other thing too was is when I was in Wichita, I had Jake come mm-hmm. by and see me. Everybody was messaging me, and when I because I was still already part of the we were already had that big group text going mm-hmm. um, you know what half dozen of us or something like that I think there's eight people eight now. people now um, but at the time I think it was like a half dozen mm-hmm. and it was just from that like Veterans Day pheasant hunt yeah oh no it came from uh, the dove hunt the dove hunt the, the dove, dove hunt, hunt where, uh, and where then, Robert and uh, Medusa got in a fight over the dove that was so awesome mm-hmm. I love the fact that Robert had to fight his first dove with against Medusa and she almost won dude and mm-hmm. I was laughing too hard to personally take a, pit, a video of it but Chris and I both agree we should have videoed I, it I'd like to see it <laughs> so myself Austin and Nate were over in the other field yeah. smashing dubs. yeah and we were sitting there crushing <laughs> one dub and then I got one and I was like yeah and Chris is like dude it's dead and other than you know Robert beating the crap out of Medusa for his dog. <laughs> I miss that dog every day, man. Yeah. Well, I'm, All right, so. yeah, but deer season, we had to like, we had to lock her in the house cause she uh, chased the deer. Yeah. yeah. So but, 
what, what would you say has has this organization changed your life in any way? Oh yeah. Has, has it been so? I think a big thing about getting out of the military is you don't have any contact with anybody that mm-hmm. knows what you've been through. Yeah. And so this organization allows you to talk with. I don't care if Army, Air Force, we bust each other's balls, but we all have a common ground. Mm-hmm. So even if we deploy to different wars, like you get people from Vietnam out on a hunt, you get people from Gulf War, our our generation, we turn into 18 year old yeah. kids again. Well, that, uh, and it, it's a brotherhood. Yeah. That, that first pheasant hunt, you can you remember Bob, the old Vietnam vet that came on the oh, first pheasant hunt that you were on with us? Because I remember hitting, like, he was just wanting to walk, he was so adamant about walking through that field. And that's yeah. that really thick, nasty field. Yeah, that you, go through. you have to high step it. And so him and I cut out early and we walked up to the dirt road to wait for you guys. And we sit down, and old, old Bob pulls out like two cans of beer. He's like, You want a beer? It's like, Hell yeah, I want a beer, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just, it's just funny because you don't get that chance to interact with veterans that, and, and veterans can tell. Mm-hmm. who is a veteran oh yeah and you can tell the veterans that have been deployed and the veterans that haven't mm-hmm. and you can you can uh you can see there's a different way you hold yourself um but the nice thing is is it's funny because we all suffer from some type of a ptsd or some type of experience that mm-hmm. maybe wasn't the greatest in the military whether it's good bad or ugly but uh you get all of us sitting down during a dove hunt. Yeah. Dude, it's like the funniest stories that you could possibly oh, yeah. I Dude, you couldn't script the shit we come up with. Yeah. Like, it's, like uh, yeah, I believe that story. And <laughs> like, but no, but if you were, you had a civilian sitting next to it, they'd be just sitting there going. What's wrong with you? What the hell is wrong <laughs> with you guys? Why are you allowed to have guns? <laughs> so, so we know, we know you've done the deer hunt. With us, what what else have you done? We did. We got into waterfowl big time last season. Yeah, yeah. I got. I kind of got an addiction. Yeah, and, and, you, and you took me along with. Yeah, with it. I took and, a lot of people along for that fucking ride. Yeah. So well, <laughs> and I've increased my arsenal to to accommodate some different types of mm-hmm. hunts now. Um, love to get my my Stoger twelve. Mm-hmm. 30 my stoger 3500 out for the waterfowl that yeah. thing's a beast on waterfowl because well, so, i smashed that duck you got that you got a teal last year and you got that got, shovel nose and what else did you get uh, i got that black one uh, what's the oh the, 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 the scalp yeah, scoop, 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 i can't pronounce that it, man. nasty mud dauber thing. oh no no that was a uh, you uh, got yourself a uh yeah because it came waddling across the yeah. the we're at the end of the pheasant hunt. Yeah, we and, pheasant hunt the duck. That was a. Uh, and that was uh, uh, we. That was the first hunt Drew was out with us. We went coot. to. You got shot that coot is what you yeah, shot. That was the first hunt Drew was out there with us. Yeah, dude, Drew's a hard, hard, hard charger man. He's doing dude, good for the team. Dude, he's trapping so much. He was actually he he shot me a text. He was like, dude, you guys got some pretty good stuff. <laughs> for trapping I told you bro it's it's not all bad he's like you need to get some more of these okay I'll let you know so you've you deer hunting with us you pheasant hunting with us you duck hunting with us I've even gone out and done some coyote hunting that was with Spencer um, and them, wasn't it? With Spencer it? and them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not, they're veterans, so it's yeah. not necessarily was associated with the falling out doors, mm-hmm. but it's still a group of veterans still 
hunting. And like on top of those two, like they're both pets as well, and they're both pets that we went, we grew up with. Yeah, too, and so they've been out on a few of the they, oh, the they went hunts, on yeah. uh, pheasant hunts. Pheasant and Jesse went out on the deer, a deer hunt. hunt with yeah. us, and yeah, those were you know we all grew up together. I mean, oh, yeah. we literally all grew up together in the same class. I think Jesse was what a year older than. Uh, no, Jesse was two years younger than. Two us. years younger than us. Okay, that's right. I couldn't remember. That was the problem. I can't remember that. But we all act the same age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's guys that we haven't seen in a while that we grew up with. Guys that we haven't. We would have never met any other way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so this dude, I've, I've always told people, it's like, man, you know, in the military, you get the weirdest, like, you get the weirdest combinations of people that are friends. So Austin like, benefited from this whole thing yeah. by getting a mower. Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, in the military, you get the weirdest combination of people that are friends. So, like, I can tell uh, you, like, when I was on my second deployment, my roommates, as I had, one of my roommates was a guy named Smith who was, like, five foot tall from Queens, New York, and the only white gay kid that grew up on his block. Yeah. And so he walked, like, he dressed in, like, 80s gangster clothes. Then you had Bazer, who was my other roommate, which is from, uh, comes from a professional bull riding background. And you got, like, so you got the cowboy, you got the, the 80s gangster, and then, like, I always dress kind of, I guess if I had to describe how I dress, it's like the skater-ish kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Like, or, so... But we were best fucking friends, you know? Yeah, like, these three I, guys that would never hang had, out outside of the Army. Yeah, I had... Best friends. I had two other buddies that were in the Marines yeah. with me, and we were both <laughs> in the same... We are all in the same platoon. One was a radio operator, one was a radio tech. Um, Reich was from, like, Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And he, was, he, he could, like... Just a weird combination. It was just a weird... He had... It was just that Indianapolis, Indiana mm-hmm. type mentality but he he was white as white could be but he mm-hmm. could break dance and shit and mm-hmm. you're like what the hell and then you get um andrew and he's from like philly and you're like oh god yeah so and then just, i'm from like dodge city and, yeah, it's we're, like, we're like, dodge city and it's like and the funniest thing was is i was the only one in my whole platoon that was not faced by the wind in iraq mm-hmm I was like, man, when I, I was leaning into everybody else. Was like, oh my god! And I'm like, dude, this is like a calm day in Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> and so like my, my point is like, so military very much. You get a wide variety of backgrounds, and it's the same thing with with TFO. You get people that would never met each other, never really hung out. They get together and become friends through well, because we we're, we're teach, doing and we're all teaching each other, yeah. each other stuff that we know. So our hunting. I guess our hunting versatility is what you would mm-hmm. say is like huge oh, yeah. now. You wouldn't have known very much about trapping or, or waterfowl, waterfowl for, for one. Yeah, Drew, Drew showed me everything I know about waterfowl. Yeah, and and I showed him everything I know about. And he knows about problem. upland. So and you yeah. have a problem. Uh, I'm addicted to hunting. That's the problem. I mean, every kind of hunting. Like if I can hunt it, I want to hunt it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And you're going to borrow that uh, that six five now. Yeah, because yeah, I'm going on a pronghorn hunt. Yeah, because you can't uh, get your twenty five. One of the national odds. banquet for the falling outdoors. Yeah, because you can't uh, you can't get that twenty five odd six fixed fast enough. So, all of this. Uh, is there anything you really want want people to know about your story, about what you've gone through, that you just want to say before we're done here? You know. My biggest problem was, is I held a lot of stuff in after the mm-hmm. military, after getting out, I didn't think I needed to talk about it. And 
I went into a lot of dark places real mm-hmm. quick and it wasn't necessarily because of the military. It was from other stuff inflicting in life and it, but all that stuff came back up and you pulling me in and then the other guys taking me in and, and us just have, I mean, to this day we could send one picture to each other and it starts a 45 yeah. minute bullshit text yeah. bash on messenger. But, uh, it's a camaraderie that, I was needing, didn't realize I was, I was missing and now I couldn't live without it. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's a, a, an organization that can pull somebody from the brink. Yeah. And there's a sense of normalcy again. Well, you know, as normal as you can get a bunch of hunters that are veterans. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and I've, I've tried to explain to several people. It's like, it's more than just a hunt. It's the experience and it's the bonding oh, yeah. that comes from it. Yeah, I could care less if I kill something. Oh, but you really and, like to kill that. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Jackrabbit on a pheasant hunt, dude, any day. Decapitation with 12 gauge, great day. Um, but if you don't if you don't get anything, I mean, I could shoot at 20 birds and not hit it and be just fine. But because I got to hang out with guys for 12 hours, 14 hours and be 100% completely miserable the next three days from walking 20 freaking miles. It's only 14. Whatever. <laughs> 14 <All right>. miles. <laughs> well, the last time I didn't have to walk that much because I just had surgery again. Yeah. So I was like, I'm blocking. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I, I appreciate you driving all the way up here, hanging out with me, having this chat, drinking some moonshine with me. Um, I appreciate everyone for listening. Again, I, I, I kind of brought Matt on this because uh, he's 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 had some experiences. This has been pretty good. And uh, he I'm the lone you. marine. <laughs> yeah, he's the lone marine that joins us on these hunts, and he's uh help me. Yeah, it's helped him a lot. It's helped us a lot, and it's just been something good. And I just want everyone kind of hear his story, you know what's going on. Uh, I appreciate everyone joining. Everyone have a good day. Yeah.